overcoming temptation. Um, have you guys ever thought about like the Garden of Eden? Um, there are two trees in the Garden of Eden, the, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Have you ever wondered why God told them not to eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Have you ever really thought about that? I think it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, well, I mean, seriously, well, because if you know, if you're just obeying God in every circumstance, you don't need... How do you know good if you don't know evil? evil you can't right. know one without knowing the other. No. So you're choosing to have this type of knowledge, which is you're choosing the knowledge of evil, essentially. Yeah, you're choosing the knowledge of good, but you're just choosing to understand the difference. Yeah. In my opinion on that, I think it was just going to be a matter of time. Because God, God is God. He knows it all. He knows the beginning and He knows the future. So he knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin sooner or later. Because first of all, there was the serpent in there tempting them, who was more savvy than they were. So, two perfect beings that don't know no sin are wandering naked in a paradise with a vicious snake. You know that snake was going to try any any tactics. Yeah. And another information that we don't, that we don't have how long did Adam and Eve live in the garden? How long were they there? Yeah. When did the serpent all of a sudden appear? Was it as soon as God created them? We don't have none of that information. Yeah. So for all we know, they could have lived, I don't know, a hundred years. Yeah. And then the serpent came in. And maybe they probably got bored with all, you know what I mean? Yeah. And curiosity, as they say, killed the cat. But another question that I, that I want to know the answer to, Lucifer, was an angel created by God. And and he was like the perfect, beautiful, and, and like in charge of the worship and stuff like that. If angels are created by God to worship God, why did he rebel? It's pride. always been... Yeah. Well, the Bible says it's his pride. He yeah, somehow he thought if, that he was equivalent to God or could best him. But where did that pride come from if he was created... Mm, you know, he, he chose where, it. Where did the evil come? Because pride is is a form of evil. Yeah. Well, so see, where did the evil come from for him to have pride? That's the thing. Is like, and you know what I mean. You know, that's actually a really good question because yeah. there's a lot of teaching, and there's been a lot of teaching throughout the ages in that evil is a thing, right? Evil is this this kind of a force or this kind of a thing. And, and I think that that's wrong. Evil is the choices that you make. God created us all with a clean slate, right? And we choose whether or not we're going to rebel or whether we're going to follow Him. And, and so I don't think that there was just this force of evil that was waiting around to, to attack Satan or Lucifer or, or whatever. Again, you know, you know, I think it shows that even the angels have freedom to choose what they want and so he because just like he said was he, he pride filled his heart mm -hmm. and he said i will ascend mm -hmm. to the heavens and i will be like god and he thought that he could be like god and you know just as a creative being any creative being thinking that they can be like the creator or greater than the creator is is foolishness right 
But you see it all throughout history. You see it in the Tower of Babel. They were going to build, they were going to yeah. ascend to the heavens, and they were going to be like God. Mm-hmm. Even when Satan tempted Eve, he said, if you eat of this, you'll be like God. And basically, that is the nature of sin, is that uh, I don't have to listen to God. I don't have to be subject to God. I can be my own God. And I think the whole thing with the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that what that did is that, that it's the same thing that we face whenever we say in our hearts or in our minds, I wonder what it would be like to experience this sin, yeah. right? And just like you say, on the flip side of that, we can, we, can, we can have the choice to say, I wonder what it's like to experience more of God. And so, so basically, to me, that was the whole thing about the eating off the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we have it still with us today in that we can choose what, which tree that we want to feed off of. And each one of us, when, whenever we're tempted, it's always with that you know, this this temptation really looks good, doesn't it? This temptation looks like something that you would really enjoy, right? But and so I, at I, that point, we start going, hmm, maybe it would be good, right? I remember, you know, when I was a young teenager, before I ever started partying and, and, and things, you know, my friends are getting drunk and high and, you know, having sex, and they're telling us, you know, telling me how wonderful it is, and so you start having the thoughts, you know what, that sounds like that's pretty cool. That sounds like that would be fun, right? And so that's when you start eating off the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, seeing, I wonder what it would be like, right? And basically what we tell ourselves at first is like, you know what, I'm just going to try this once, right? And and after that, you know, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm just going to try it once. Well, basically, anytime you try it that first time, that makes it easier to do it the second time. When you do it the second time, that makes it easier, and it's just easier and easier and easier. And we always tell ourselves, you know, I'm just going to do it this one time, but it never stops at that because it awakens that curiosity, right? It awakens that desire to go further into it and see, see how, how good it can be, right? So anyway, I mean, even from the very beginning, because what does the Bible say? It's sin that separates us from God, Right? And so, if sin separates us from God, obedience brings us back to God, right? And I'm not talking about in your own power, in your own strength, your own works, or anything like that. But if sin separates us from God, obedience brings us back. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> to the degree that you love God, you will hate sin, right? Um, to the degree that we still give ourselves over to temptation, it shows that there are areas in our life that are not submitted to God, right? Because if, if we truly see God as He is, if we truly see what He's done for us, and if, if we truly, um, you know, because we all say, I love God more than anything, and He's my everything, and I love Him more than anything in this world, and yet there are still parts of our lives where we give over to temptation, right? And so these are things, these are indications of areas in our lives that we have not yet submitted to the Holy Spirit. And um, the progression that God has in our lives, when we get saved, God comes through with a meat cleaver pretty much. And he's like hacking off these huge, enormous sins and these things that we've been practicing, just the garbage and the filth and the 
the, the pit that he saves us out of. And he takes us and he washes us. And just like with the disciples, at, when, um, when Jesus wanted to wash their feet, and Peter said, not my feet, Lord. He says, you guys are clean, but I need to wash your feet too. And that's the problem. When we're walking through this world, when we're surrounded by the sin and the daily temptations and the things of this world, we get stuff on us, right? And, it, and we have to keep coming to the Lord so he can wash those things off of us. And so the Lord takes us through those progressions and he begins to, you know, when, when, we, when he's kind of made, knocked off the major sins and he's dealt with the big things, then he begins to go kind of deeper into our hearts, right? And he begins to show us those areas that we have not submitted to him. Some areas we don't even know about, right? Until the Holy Spirit comes and says, you know what? You got this problem here. And stuff, and so, so God will sometimes, and you know, and that's why the Bible says in Luke seven is talking about the prostitute, the woman that came and washed Jesus' feet with her hair, right, and broke the alabaster jar over his feet, and and the Pharisees were like grumbling. If he knew this person was a sinner, he wouldn't even let him t let her touch him, right? And he said, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, uh, and and so the thing is, it says. He who has been forgiven much loves much, right? And the thing is, is a lot of us, and that's the problem because a lot of us don't know how much we've been forgiven. <laughs> You're good. A lot of us, and that's, that's why it's good to be surrounded by new believers. Because when you see new believers and see just their desire and their hunger for the Lord and their and their willingness to follow him and give up their things, it reminds us of the things that we've been forgiven, right? And the thing is, is we have all been forgiven much. And so when we come to that realization of how much we've forg been forgiven, that's when we love much. Because we know that, you know, I wasn't just this, you know, person that kind of had some problems. And that's kind of the gospel that we teach today. And a lot of the churches that you go to, the, the gospel is like, you know, you're, you're this bad person and you got these these faults and you've got these problems and you've got these issues that you have to deal with. Well, the Bible says there's sins and the wages of sin is death. Every sin that we commit deserves death. And the thing is, is Jesus, we could have died for our own sins, but Jesus took that pain, that penalty for us. And instead of me dying for my sins, he says, I'm going to die for your sins, right? And every one of us deserve that. And, uh, and again, so it's sin that separates us from, uh, from God. In Habakkuk 1.13, it says that God's eyes are too pure to look upon sin. And so um, turn back to James 1. This is kind of our, our um, base scripture for this um, series. So, somebody told me to read this scripture earlier this week. I was struggling. Really? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm so sorry I was snoring, y'all. Oh, okay. Goodness. Barely hurt you at all. In James 1, verse 13, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Um, turn to Genesis chapter 22. Now, um, 
So we just read that God does not tempt anyone, right? We know that God does not tempt anyone. God cannot be tempted by sin, and neither does he tempt anyone. But sometimes God will allow, and, and I don't know about you guys, but there have been times in my life when I've been uh, in situations where there's sin, and I've been tempted. I'm like, God, why are you allowing this to happen, right? And so God will allow us to be tested. He won't tempt us, but sometimes he allows us to be tested, right? And uh, we'll see what the difference is. In Genesis 22, we all know the story of Abraham and Isaac, right? When Abraham, when God told Isaac or Abraham to kill his only son, right? And so Abraham takes Isaac out and he binds him up on his, on his mule and he, he brings this wood and he puts the wood there and he, he binds his son and he puts his son on the, on the wood. And in verse um, 9, it says, Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called, so look in verse 9, Abraham has every intention to do what God has called him to do, right? Now, think about this. This is a difficult thing for him to do. And whenever we face temptations, whenever we, and each one of us are weak in certain areas, right? Like one person's temptation may be gossip, another person's temptation may be lust, another t person's temptation may be unforgiveness. We're all tempted in different ways, right? And the devil knows which ways we're tempted in. And the devil will put you in situations to tempt you to cause you to turn away from God. Because why? That sin brings a separation between us and God, right? So that's why Satan will bring temptations in your life to separate you from the presence of God. And so God or Abraham is in this situation where he is fully prepared to follow God completely, right? In verse 10, it says, Abraham stretched out his hand and took his knife to slay his, his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. Look at this. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withhold held your son your only son for me. You see that? And so a lot of times God will allow us to be in temptation, in situations where we're tempted so that we'll see what's in our heart. Because a lot of times we think we're pretty together, right? Especially if we've been walking with the Lord for a while and we've, we've dealt with those major sins. We've dealt with the huge issues in our lives. And, and, and we, we, we think that, man, I've got it together now, right? And so... You know, um, and so it's in those situations, in those times, a lot of times when God will allow temptations to come. And again, it's not God. And the thing is, is again, sometimes we're like, God, how can you allow this temptation into my life? Right. Well, here's the thing. Um, God and I wrote this down. It says God may be responsible for the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Right. In that God may be it, it may God may have allowed us to be in those safe circumstances, right? But God is never responsible for our reactions to our situations. Does that make sense? God is never responsible for how I react to somebody. I may be in a job that's full of people that are, that are cussing all day and talking about sex and things like that, but I'm not responsible for how, or I am responsible for how I react to that, right? Or I may be in a situation where people are gossiping about people. 
Um, so, okay, maybe God has allowed me to be in that situation. Maybe he's allowed me to be in that job, but I am responsible for how I deal with that situation. Does that make sense? And so, and it is these situations that show us, again, what's in our hearts. It's these, because, again, a lot of times we think we're doing good and stuff, and then we'll get in a situation, and I'm like, God, why did I act like that, right? Yeah. Or why did, I, why did I fall into that temptation? Why did I think those thoughts? Why did I say that? Why did, you know what I'm saying? And I think sometimes God puts wow. us in situations of, or, like, allows us to be put in situations of temptation mm-hmm. so that we can grow and become like when a when a bigger temptation comes that we can be more ready for that like in joshua i think it talks about like um god allowing um enemies to be in their land so that they learn how to fight that's good and sometimes we you know god allows enemies to be in our land so we learn how to fight so when the enemy comes even stronger and, and for for something that maybe we otherwise wouldn't be prepared for that we've already battled through some of these things and already have been strengthened in learning how to deal with temptation, how to be humble, and how to have other things like that, um, and know our place and where we're at. That's what would you like to teach next week? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Turn to another place in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And the thing is, is, is in a lot of this, like we'll see this in Deuteronomy chapter 8, but God is also testing us to see what's in our hearts, right? And if you think about it in the natural, say if, if you're working a job and, and you're excuse me, you're wanting to move up in management position or a supervisor position or, or something like that. If you have a job, uh, if your boss has any kind of brain or if he has any kind of intelligence, he's going to test you, right? Because a boss is not going to put you into a position of power or authority unless he knows that you're able to handle it, right? And a, a lot of us as believers, we wonder, well, why don't, you know, um, why doesn't God use me more? Or why doesn't God allow me to be in situations where I can use my gifts or my talents or, or something like that? And maybe sometimes it's because we're not ready, right? A lot of times there are positions that people, and we see it all the time, where people are elevated to positions that they are not ready for and it destroys their lives. So a lot of times it's God's mercy and it's His grace that we don't be put in those positions and things. Mm-hmm. So God will test us and God will allow us to be tested for, uh, to see what's in our heart before He w- puts us in those positions. Another place in uh, Deuteronomy 8 verse 1. This is uh, when, when the people of, of Israel are wandering in the desert and God's going to lead them into the promised land. He says, All the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. Look at this. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. You see that? So God will test us to see what's in our hearts. Um, look at this in Psalm 139. I like the humble you part too. <laughs> yeah, and that's, a, that's the thing. Again, a lot of times we start walking around and we're thinking that, man, I'm pretty cool and I've got this, this uh, Christianity thing down and, and people look up to me and God's like, no, you still got things. <laughs> And, and that's the thing. God loves us enough to deal with those things, right? You know, this whole thing that God loves you just the way you are. Well, God does love you just the way you are, but he also loves you enough to where he's going to change you. 
If you are a parent of a child, you want the best for that child, and you want it enough that sometimes you're going to spank their little bottom, mm-hmm. right? Because you want this child to grow up to be mature, to be a functioning part of society, yes. right? And so because of our good, God will punish us. God will discipline us. And in Psalm 139, verse uh, 23, look what David said. David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. You see that? So David, because he was a man after God's heart, he was a man that truly wanted to be in fellowship and communion and relationship and with God. He said, he comes to God and he says, God, I want you to test me, right? Because we think of this testing, we think of the temptations uh, and, and the things like that. We think of them in a negative way. But these are the things that are going to cause us to grow. You cannot grow without trials. In any situation, in any manner of life, you cannot grow without trials. You cannot grow until you pass the test. Life is about passing the test. Life is about going through the difficult times and overcoming them. And the beauty of it is, is when you pass those tests, when you overcome, then you, 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 you know who God is in your life because you know that God led me through that wilderness. God led me through the valley of the shadow of death. He led me to overcome my enemies, right? And you know, and a lot of times we think, you know, uh, you know, we think that God is concerned about the big sins, right? And a lot of us make excuses for the little sins. It's like, well, you know what? I dealt with the crack smoking, I dealt with the prostitution. I dealt with these heavy-duty sins. Okay, maybe I got this lust problem, or maybe I got this gossip problem. Maybe I have this hatred thing, you know, and stuff. And these are just little things. In Song of Solomon 2, verse 15, it says, Catch the little foxes for us, because it's the little foxes that destroy the vine. Right? We think it's the big, uh, the big things that will destroy us. It's the little things because the Bible says if you're faithless in little, you'll be faithless in a lot. And uh, I was tempted like the, I was tempted in that way just this past week. At, at, at work where I work, I work in the tire department, right? And we have these little wire brushes. They're like toothbrushes, but they're wire brushes that we use to clean off the um, parts of the the where the wheels go and stuff. And uh, you know, not too long ago, a friend of mine, he, he works at a restaurant where he has to clean the, the grill and all that stuff, and he asked me to get him one. Um, I did, and I felt guilty about it, right? And, and all this time, it's like, well, you know, it's just this little stupid toothbrush. It probably costs two bucks, you know, it's no big deal. Uh, anyway, this past week, he asked me if I'd get him a couple more. And see, this is the progression, right? Okay, you did it this one time. Can you give me two more, right? You did this little sin once. Can you, you know, just do it again. You've already done it once. It's not a big deal. It's just this little bitty thing. And God told me, do not do it. And I knew, I knew if I did that, God, I I don't know what was going to happen. But I knew that God was going to be angry, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so, and that's the thing, again, it's like, and, and, and he's like, well, it's just this little toothbrush, man. It's not, and I was like, well, you can go to Pet Boys and get the same thing for two bucks, right? And that's this, well, that's the way Satan do, does with us. He's like, okay, you've dealt with these major things. It's just this little, tiny little thing. Just let it slide. And we use excuses, right? Well, you know, I'm Italian, so I got this anger problem. 
or I'm Irish, so I get drunk, you know, or I, uh, we use all these things or I'm, you know, I've got this bad temper because I got it from my mom, mm-hmm. you know, or, or uh, even worse things like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a molester because I was molested as a child or something like that. And we use these excuses because, you know, because, you know, this happened to me, so that makes it okay, right? Mm-hmm. And God doesn't care about what your parents did. I mean, he, he feels for you, and he has compassion for you, and he weeps with you, but that is no excuse. No matter how bad your childhood was, no matter how bad our past was, gives us no excuse whatsoever, especially us who call ourselves Christians, to perpetuate any of that, right? Whenever we get saved, the Lord gives us a clean slate, and he says, that stops now. Even if it's a generational thing that's been happening in your family for a hundred years, it doesn't matter. It stops at this generation, right? And so God deals with those things and he breaks the cycle. But it takes us cooperating with him. We have to cooperate with him. We can't make excuses. We can't say, well, that's just so mild in my nature. You know, that's just the way I... No, it's not. It's sin. And when we realize it's sin, that's when we can begin to deal with it. And that's when God will eradicate it from our hearts, right? Because there is no sin, there is no temptation that God won't give us the power to overcome. But sometimes it, 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 we have to learn how to war, mm-hmm. right? We have to learn how to fight. That's the thing with, with the military, that all they do is practice fighting all the time, right? Because you cannot be in a military, you can't be in a part of an army and just, they just send you out and they're like, oh, here's a rifle, go out and fight, go kill the enemy. <laughs> you will die, right? And so we are in a fight. We are in a fight for the souls of this world. And God is not going to send us out prepared. But we have to come to him and say, I'm here for training. I'm ready to be trained, right? Turn to Jeremiah 17. And again, this is not... We're not doing this out of our own strength. We're not doing this out of our own power. We're doing this... And we're not laying aside sin just to be religious, right? This is not some religious thing that we do. You know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm keeping all, you know, I'm dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's and I'm making sure that it's all to please the Father, right? It's all for intimacy with Him. Yes. If you want to know how to have intimacy with the Lord, deal with the things in our lives that separate us from him, right? It's the same thing with a marriage, man. If you're, if you're watching porn and it makes your wife feel like she is some second-rate person or whatever, but you're doing it anyway, like, do you love her? Right? And wh- why do you stop doing that? It's because I love my wife that I'm not going to do that because it makes her feel like crap, right? And so the same thing with the Lord. We don't stop sin because that's what our church tells us to do or because it looks holy or it's this outward thing that we can do and we become these Pharisees and we look religious on the outside but inwardly we're full of dead men's bones and we're like whitewashed cups. We want to do it from our hearts and we want to be pleasing in every area. We want the Lord to be able, just like David said, test me and try me, see if there's anything unclean in me. 
and deal with those things. I want the Lord to come and deal with the things in my heart that separate me from Him. And so many times we're like, we're like, God, why don't I sense your presence? Or I'm praying and I'm seeking you and I don't feel your presence. And not that it's about that anyway, right? It's not about feeling the presence of the Lord, but it's nice. But sometimes we're not close to Him because of the things, the issues that we're not dealing with, right? Jeremiah 17, again, verse 10. Verse 9, it says, and, and here's the thing, again, the Bible over and over says, do not deceive yourself, right? There's multiple times in the Bible where it says, do not deceive yourself. It says, do not be deceived. Do not let other people deceive you. And why does it say that? Why are the warnings there so many times? It's because we can be deceived, right? It's because we're prone to being deceived. Exactly, because it, it, we're, we're pretty dumb. For the most <laughs> but in uh, Jeremiah uh, 17 verse 9 it says the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick who can understand it you were talking about Lucifer why did he sin because his heart was deceitful and because he, because he didn't deal with it he like any one of us when at first entered into when he first started thinking those thoughts he could have captured those thoughts immediately he could, have, he could have gone to the Lord and said, I'm dealing with this stuff in my heart and confessed it, right? And dealt with those sins. But instead, he began to, he began to pet them. He began to, you know, guard them and, and protect them. And, and that's the nature of sin. You begin to guard those thoughts and you begin to dwell on them and you begin to fantasize over them and stuff until, because all sin starts in the mind. Every single sin starts in our mind. Right? No matter, even if it's a split second, if something that happens in a split second, you have a split second to make a decision. You know, even, no matter what it is, if it just jumps in our minds, if you have the Holy Spirit, something says, no, that's not right. You know? And so we have that moment, whether we're going to deal with it or whether we're going to allow it to grow. It says, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Verse 10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. And so God, again, searches our hearts. God, God wants to deal with our sins. And God, again, it's not because so God can be this demanding father, this angry God of the Old Testament that shoots out thunderbolts and lightning and stuff like that. God deals with our sins because he wants us to be in relationship with Him. He wants to be close to us. He says, draw close to me, and I will draw close to you. And that is His heart's desire for every human being on this planet. But people won't do it because they love their sins more than they love Him. To have it any differently would be to like to expect to have a good marriage and a close relationship with your spouse when you're not seeking to please your spouse on a daily basis. To, that you all you care about is you and what you want and and you're not seeking to know what your spouse wants and how to be close to them and sometimes when you and I get in our flesh which you know we do sometimes and then and we we treat the person less than we should and then we find there is this natural separation that comes and anybody who's right. ever been in a dating relationship or a marriage relationship can attest to that that when you stop thinking of the other person and you start focusing only on yourself and 
you don't look at your own faults or potential what you did, <laughs> then all of a sudden there's this separation no. and there's a distance and there's that not that closeness and it's really difficult to it's very perceivable and it's for me it's extremely difficult and so then I have to search my heart and say okay what am I doing to create this distance and then he searches his heart like what am I doing to create this distance and then we repent to each other and then all of a sudden we're close again you yeah. know like the most awkward feeling in the world is like when you're fighting with your spouse and you're both on different sides of the bed you're, you're like as far over on your side of the bed as you can get without falling off, right? And I mean, you know, that that's that's a perfect example yeah. of what sin is. That's a perfect picture of what it is. It, it destroys relationships. It does, and it brings that awkwardness. It brings that separation, and and you don't want to be around that person. Yeah. You know, and um, the spirit can't be strong in you while you're in the midst of your sin either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so some practical ways. Um, now, one one of the things we talked about a little bit last week was that when you know when you're when you're dealing with the temptations in your life, and it may be a stronghold, right? Some of us have strongholds that 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 have been there and it, it really difficult to overcome, and, and and we're fighting them and we're warring against them and stuff. And and we think about sin in the negative, right? We think about well, I just need to get rid of this sin, or I need to be free from this sin but you know there's also a positive side to it right and you know when anytime you're getting rid of something you want to also add something right okay and so the thing is is we want to be so busy loving jesus and being you know if you i want to be involved in the things of god right Jesus, you know, said when, the, when his parents found him, when he was a 12-year-old kid, he said, I had to be about my father's business, right? Mm -hmm. When we're doing the Lord's business, when we're doing the Lord's will, when we're, when we're trying to please God, we don't have time to be sinning, right? <laughs> if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm at a Bible study or if I'm on the streets preaching the gospel or if I'm sharing with a, a friend from work or whatever, I'm not going to be at a bar, or I'm not going to be chasing down prostitutes, or I'm not going to be, you know, looking on a computer at porn and stuff. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be this negative thing. It's like, it doesn't have to be, well, how, how far away from sin can I be? The answer is, how close to Jesus can we be, right? It's like that old song, it says, turn your eyes on Jesus and the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The closer we get to him and we get like, you know, and, and that's the world. The world thinks that the things of God are boring and the things of God are like, oh my gosh, how can you read the Bible and how can you pray and how can you worship? And, and it's like, but when we begin to do those things and we begin to, to let those things dwell in our hearts and those things become precious to us, then we don't want to be out sinning, mm -hmm. Right. We don't want to be out doing the things that, that, that you know, make God angry and, and hurt the Father's heart. Um, turn to uh, 1 Timothy 5. And basically, again, that's what it's all about. It's not, it's not this religious thing where I just try to become like a monk and live in a... In a a cloister and you know I wear these you know these weird clothes and I separate myself from the world it's about loving Jesus in the midst of the world right mm -hmm. Jesus said he didn't come to take us out of the world but he's going to be there with us in the world and stuff and and that's what we're to be we can't be lights to the world if we're hiding in a cave somewhere 
And so that's what Jesus, Jesus wants to shine through us. He wants to be a light. He wants to be salt through us. And so we can have as much as Jesus as we want. We can have as much of Jesus as we allow. And I find, you know, and that's the thing, when I have found through circumstances that um, when you're tempted, if, if you start giving in to that temptation, you won't want to do the things of God. You won't want to be praying. You won't want to be, you know, going with your brothers and sisters and stuff. It becomes a thing where you go in the darkness, right? And that's why the Bible over and over talks about light and darkness. And we're children of light and not of the darkness. Plus, we start walking in a lot of shame. Yeah. And then we're afraid. To and shame just drives us further in yeah. the darkness and stuff. And but the, in the, and that's the beauty of following Jesus. I remember when I used to get drunk and like before I got saved, I would get drunk and I would black out and I would do all kinds of things that I wouldn't even remember. Mm-hmm. And people would be telling me the next day and I would just carry this burden of guilt. And it's like, I didn't even know why. I didn't know what I even did, but I just felt so guilty and so dirty and stuff. You know, that's the beauty of following Jesus. There is no hangover. Right? There is no need to feel guilty. There's no need to feel like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Right? Mm-hmm. It's like we're doing it and everything, everything about Jesus is light and it's beautiful and it's awesome. And in 1 Timothy 5, verse 3, <clears throat> he says, Honor widows who are widows indeed. Now, again, in, in their times it was a little different, okay? Um, one thing about the church of the New Testament is they took care of widows, which is... Society was a little bit different in that really women that weren't they married didn't, didn't weren't able to work and weren't able to provide for themselves, so the church provided for them. But Paul says, we're not just going to provide for everybody. And so we'll see what he's talking about in uh, chapter, verse 3. He says, honor widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now she who is a widow indeed and who has been left alone has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. So what is he saying? This person's not just wasting time. This person's not gossiping. This person's not just hanging out and just you know getting drunk or partying or whatever. This person is concerned about the things of God, right? Verse 6, but she who gives herself to pleasure, to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. Prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide, look at this in verse 8, because we always, whenever you hear this verse taught, it's in context of the man, right? It's in context of the man um, providing for his family. But this is straight right in the middle of Paul talking about widows, and how widows are to act and stuff. And he says, prescribe these things as well so that they may be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now look at this, because he's going to continue talking about widows. All right? Verse 9, he says, a widow is to be put on the list only if she is less than 60 years old, not having, having been the wife of one man. So again, so I think what Paul's talking about providing for their family is just, again, not just out partying while your kids are stuck at home alone, right? right. But providing for their needs, being a woman of, of good reputation, being someone that's not this, you know, we all know the people that have the reputations, they're out partying and stuff, their kids are alone and stuff. These, these, if they're going to be widows and the church is going to provide for them, there's stipulations, 
there's things that they need to be doing, right? Um, <clears throat> verse 9 again, A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man, having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children, and is, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. Look at uh, verse 13. At the same time, they, go, they also learn to be idle. They go around from house to house, and not merely idle, but also gossips and busybodies, talking about things not proper to mention. So Paul is saying, if they're going to be a widow, they need to be uh, someone of good reputation, someone that is benefiting the church, right? And the, th the thing is, is, is um, Paul talks about the women are to teach, the older women are to teach the younger women, right? And again, the whole point is, is be busy about the things of God. And if we're busy about the things of God, we're not going to be busy gossiping or we're not going to be busy, you know, getting drunk or partying or any of these things, right? And so, again, if we want to overcome temptation, one of the main things is to be doing the things of God so that you don't have time to be going out and partying and, and stuff. Which brings us to the next thing, and that is choose your friends wisely, all right? And this is a big one, right? Because we will be like our friends, Um I mean, the friends that you the friends that you hang out with, you're going to be like. If you hang out with friends that go to the bar every night and get drunk every night, you're going to go out and get drunk with them too, right? Mm -hmm. You might resist it for a while, and that's the whole thing about this this friendship evangelism. It works if you're actually evangelizing them, right? It works if you're changing them, not if it doesn't work if you're letting them change you, yeah. right? And it's like, okay, I can be friends with the guys at work and, and you know, and, and maybe go out with them once or whatever. But my goal is not to go out and get drunk with them. My goal is to tell them about Jesus, right? And if they're changing me rather than me changing them, I need to get out of that situation. Because, obviously, I'm not strong enough to be in that situation, right? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with knowing our limitations. Right, right, right. If I know that I can't be around certain people, there's right. nothing wrong with me saying, look, I can't do it. Right. If if you know if I'm if I'm an alcoholic, you know, I and I know that I have that weakness, then I don't need to be around people that are alcoholics. I don't need to be around people going to the bar and right. stuff. So it's just it's just common sense. It can be anything too. Like um, early in our marriage, I had a friend that Dean said, "I can't be around your friend so and so because." a little bit of a struggle there so he probably doesn't even remember this but you know it's it's he made that choice you know and this was a christian friend but it was it was a temptation for him and he realized he didn't need to be around her a lot yeah so just not allowing yourself even in situations that look like well you should be okay in this situation she was a believer she loved the mm. lord but he he just he was using wisdom that he didn't need to be around. Plus, she was separated from her husband at the mm. time. Mm. So, you know, it's just you have to use wisdom yeah. and know yourself. Yeah. Well, and even, like, it's it's just common sense not to be around. If you're if you're a single man or woman and stuff, it's common sense not to be around, a, you know, someone of the opposite sex and just... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you you have to you have to guard those things. You have to be vigilant because you have an enemy that's trying to destroy you. Mm -hmm. And so you know the Bible the Bible tells us to use wisdom. You know if you're even even pastors and stuff they you know I know like pastors that if if they're going to minister to like a, a single woman or even a married woman or whatever they'll leave the door open. Mm -hmm. 
Let right? Me I'm feeling convicted with this whole this whole Bible study is for me right now. I'm mm. telling you. I have a preacher friend. I went to school. He's 27 right now. And he sees that I'm, I'm changing. Like, he sees my Facebook. He knew he know the woman I used to be. So he said, call me. So I like to talk about God. I'm like, he a pastor. Let's talk, you know? So I'm telling him, he like, let me tell me your testimony. So I start telling him. And um, I'm talking about God. I'm on, you know, I'm just, so he like, um, wow. Who are you? That's what he said. Who? is this woman and um and he was like well i struggle with with lust and i'm like he's a pastor it's time to and go. then he got to saying you too churchy that's what oh. he said oh. he said i was too churchy y'all oh. and he was like um he said um this basically said i'm too holy and sanctified and i got the feeling bad and i'm just oh. like he said that about you yeah he said wow. girl you too deep you too deep. Everything wow. I say is about the Lord. That's it. <laughs> you just don't know how much you didn't change my life. You know, I'm not trying to be deep. I'm thinking you would yeah. want to be on fire for him too. Yeah. I said, I'm not trying pastor. to be deep. I just love him. Yeah. yeah. So what is where is your heart at? Right. But I just was feeling like bad. I'm just like, am I too deep around no. people? Do I need to calm yeah. down? No, then my no. coworkers at work, they're like, yeah, um, we don't supposed to talk about religion here. And this and that. And it just it just makes some people feel uncomfortable. We just can't, and I'm just like, these. It's just I just had a hard week. I'm just like, Lord, mm, I'm like, yeah. why do people don't believe in you? And it, you know, sometimes you get to getting caught up into that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. I was kind of like, okay, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I just want to isolate to myself. Yes. You, a pastor. Yes. He don't even know what to, he got theology school and everything. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm just like. Man, and all these up. people in the world just got. I, I don't know. I just had a rough week, and yeah, yeah I don't well, that's 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 good because you know, I mean, I'm I'm just saying that's good in that that you saw that <laughs> yeah. right because there there are young girls who are silly, they they don't have yeah. common sense and they 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 just believe anybody. They believe yeah. Yeah, well if they if they call themselves a pastor then they, hey they. You know, and it's not, you know, the Bible says we're to test the spirits. Yeah, somebody, how's your, what, your tree not looking right? Yeah. And, he, uh, <laughs> and um, he, he was quiet the whole time. I was on the phone like, I said, why are you so quiet? And I'm thinking in my head, like, it's probably because he can't manipulate me like the other women. That's why oh. he's so quiet. Yeah. 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 And the thing is, is you will lose friends. Yeah. I'm seeing you know? it. And, yeah. and, you know, sometimes you have to walk alone. And, and it's hard, but, but you know what? That's Jesus. Jesus told the disciples that you'll lose friends and brothers and stuff like that, but uh, in the kingdom, you you'll get you'll get more and stuff. That's like, right. Amen. Terrible quote of the scripture, but but God will give you God will give you brothers. He will give you sisters. He will yeah. give you friends that are that are real. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And and yes. And, that, and there's nothing wrong again with you saying you know what I can't hang out with you. I can't, I cannot be with you and stuff. And, mm -hmm. and, and people, and, and it's Satan because people will say, they'll try to make you feel guilty and they're like, well, well, we used to be friends and you used to do the thing, same thing. That's, you used to be worse. That's what that know? preacher said on the phone. He said, girl, you, you remember how you used to be? He said, I know it was still in you. I said, no, baby. I said, the old me is dead. Yeah. Praise God. Because we're gonna talk about that too. Turn to second Second Corinthians chapter six. That's good. Okay. Aaron's gonna preach next week. <laughs> second Corinthians. Yes, ma'am. Okay. 
chapter six. You know, it's kind of funny because I'm I'm on Facebook and there's this band that there there's this one Christian singer that I kind of follow and he just uh, put together a new fa uh, band and it's called the Union of Saints and Sinners. And like immediately, I'm got scriptures that, that that are like this in in verse 14. It says, "Do not be bound together with unbelievers. <laughs> yeah. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness?" And I'm like, "What communion can sinners and saints have?" <laughs> and it's like, oh, I don't, I don't understand way. that. I, I mean, and I try to be gracious, and I'm, I'm like, oh, well, okay, maybe they're saying they were sinners, and uh, I. But I don't get it because, I mean, immediately scriptures popped in my mind like this. And it's like there is no communion between sinners and saints, right? There is no communion between light and darkness. And that's what we're experiencing is that light, darkness don't want to be around light. Darkness can't stand the light. Darkness tried to kill the light 2,000 years ago. And darkness is still trying to kill the light and, and does not want any part of it. Um, verse 15, 14, do not be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness or what harmony has Christ with Belial or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever or what agreement has a temple of God with idols for we are the temple of the living God just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Look at this in 17. Therefore, Come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean. And look what it says, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And that's the thing. Uh, you know, the, the world wants us to be like them. And there are a lot of churches that, that, will, that will bow down and try to be like the world so that they think that they can win people by doing that. You're not going to win the world by trying to look like them. You're not going to win the world by trying to act like them. Um, like this church that we went to in Colorado had these, these men's fellowship groups where they would go and make beer and, and drink beer. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's not a good idea. Leading people, you think it's leading people in the wrong, the wrong way. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's, it's and the thing game. is, and it's, it's like, well, we're, we're going we're gonna to kind of like bend down to be like the world so that they'll like us. That is not the gospel of Jesus. Everything Jesus, Jesus did knew exactly who he was. He knew what his purpose was. He knew why he was here was to please the Father. And if one, if every human being on this planet did not like it, it did not matter. He was not going to change who he was to make people happy, to make people like him, or to be accepted. And that's why I mean sometimes we have to walk alone because there will be times when people do not like you and will, even at your work, sometimes uh, your boss might try to work, make your work harder for you, right? Mm -hmm. or, or put you on the worst shifts or, or whatever. And that's the way of the world. They will try to snuff out that light that they see in you. Mm -hmm. But it also shows that you're doing what's right. Yeah. If you get a lot of that Let opposition. me tell you, I, I went to, I was at Hula Hands last night because my sister, I was doing, um, what you call it, chaperoning, and this guy, he was drunk, but he said, we just got to talk about the Lord. He said, girl, if you're not being persecuted, then, he said, you must be doing something right. He said, you got all this stuff going, you're doing something right, and he just got the ministry in me, even though he was, mm -hmm. 
Turn to another place in Ephesians chapter 5. Now one thing that I will say about that too is the Bible talks over and over about flatterers who are flattering you for the sake of gain. So uh, especially guys and, yeah. and that's the thing you know young ladies <clears throat> never ever ever believe a guy until he's been tested. Right? Mm. I work with some, I have been around so many guys in my life who are total jerks, who, who I mean, I could use other words, but who, who don't care about anybody but themselves, yep. but they get around a pretty girl and all of a sudden they're the nicest guy that's ever roamed the planet. <laughs> right? Do not be buffaloed. Yes. I... If you want to know what's in a guy, bring him to a Bible study. Yes. Right? Yes. Bring him two or three times. And then, Say, I can't make it tonight and see whether he goes. <laughs> right? If you want to test a guy, see, you want a guy, if you can get a guy that's holier than, not, I don't mean it in some kind, I don't mean it in some kind of, you know, holier than that way, but you want a guy that's following passionately after Jesus, right? Whether you're watching him, whether you're not watching him. Same thing with guys. You want a girl that's following after Jesus, whether someone's watching them, whether they're not watching them, and you want, if possible, to make you embarrassed because they're following after Jesus a lot harder than you are. Yeah. Right? I don't even think a Bible study is enough because my no. ex used to want to go witness on Fry Street and yeah. eventually was called an unbeliever by Denton Bible Church because... Mm. Of how he acted and the things that he said yeah. and did. So mm. that's not even enough. Right. Yeah. I think you almost need to see a guy in a terrible situation where he's mm. wronged and then see how he acts. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's good. Where he has, mm. where anybody would be wrong. Maybe someone crosses yeah. See how they treat. Yeah. yeah. So when yeah. he's treated yeah. poorly, yes. does he give a cup of cold water to his enemies? Mm. Yes. Does he pray for his that? Yeah. Does he, is yes. he calm? Is it, you know, it's like it's mm. not enough just mm -hmm. that yeah. he goes to a Bible study. Yeah, see how they treat yeah. other people. Yeah. You know, see how yes. they treat like their or brothers wives, and their sisters. Sister. If, mm -hmm. if there's someone that has uh, like a, a you know, a, a problem, you know, um, can, disability. If someone has a disability, mm -hmm. see how they treat that person, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because people can tell you all day long what they're truly like. It's another thing to see what they're really like. And mm -hmm. and again, people people will flatter you. People will lie to you yes. to take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. And especially as believers, even uh, in, you know, not male-female relationships, but just in any kind of dealings, people will try to use you. Like that guy that tried to, I mean, because, I mean, obviously, why wouldn't I get him to brush unless I'm a believer, right? Or I'm a Christian yes. and I don't want to do it because it hurts my conscience. And he's like, well, what's wrong? What's, you know, why, what, it's no big deal. Well, it is to me, mm -hmm. right? And so people will try to use you and it's like, hey, oh, come on, buddy, you know, and yes. stuff. And it's like they want to be your friend and stuff as long as they can get something from you. But when you're like, nah, -uh, then you see what they're really like, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, battery almost I makes see. me angry. It's like, you think I'm that dumb? It's like, <laughs> yeah. I had an older patient who was like trying, can I tell you something? You're so pretty. And I was like, oh, thank you. And then, like, the next time, he's like, I heard, he was like, well, somebody told me that was probably inappropriate. And I was like, well, I can take a compliment. I appreciate it. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, and I believe that God made us all 
beautiful and that yeah. he's the artist and so you know mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> it's just kind of turn the conversation around that kind of thing happens all the time but inside I'm like do you really think I'm this dumb mm. like <laughs> or like when your kid comes to you and, dad I love you so much what do you want <laughs> okay Ephesians 5 On the same kind of subject, verse 1, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you, and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. There must be no filthiness no silly and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. And for... I think for guys, this is a really tough one because like the guys that I work with, they they always have the jokes, right? And they always have the, hey, did you see that girl, you know, and stuff. And, you know, and, and that's a tough one, right? Because, you know, that's what guys are weak at, right? That's yes. what guys are susceptible to. So it's like, I'm like, no, I didn't see her, you know? <laughs> so, you know? So, I love you, baby. So... Yeah, but so, and and again, these are the temptations that we face on a daily basis. And the more we overcome them, the stronger we become, Mm -hmm. right? And and we may think today, we might go like, man, I'm just so weak or I'm so susceptible in this area. But if you start resisting it, I guarantee you, the more you resist it, the stronger you become. Right? And that's what it's all about. And God is there the whole way walking with us, with His Holy Spirit, strengthening us. When we fall down, He picks us back up, right? He dusts us off and says, get back in there, right? That's the whole thing. God, that is God, man. When you fall off the horse, get back on it. That's from the Lord. It's not in Scripture, but it might as well be, right? Because that's how God deals with us. He's like, that's good for you, okay? That strengthens you. God is the author of tough love. God is not just this wishy-washy, oh, wringing his hands, oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? He's like, get up, fight. There's the enemy. Go, it knocked you down. Get back up. Go knock it down. Yeah. And just to, to build on what you just said about strengthening, and a year from now you'll be stronger if you, if you, if you deal with that. Like um, Dean and I lift weights, and Dean's always pushing me to like lift more. I'm like, I'm... No, okay, you can go heavier, go heavier. And I'm like, I don't want to. And he's like, you can do this. Like, come on, you whip, you know? And he's just like trying to get me to go heavier because he knows that your your muscles, it, they're not going to grow and they're not going to get bigger unless you push yourself harder. Yeah. And so if you want to be stronger physically, you have to push those muscles beyond the point where you think that you can go. But our flesh, we're just human nature. We don't want to push ourselves that hard with anything. You know, mm-hmm. so... It's the same in the natural. You know, the Bible says first the natural, then the spiritual. It's like the metaphor of how our bodies are made to take a challenge, and you push past that. And then a year from, I told him, like a year from a year ago, I was not lifting near as much as I am now, and that's because Dean pushed me to lift harder and to fight through it and mm-hmm. challenged me and said, hey, you can do this. And so my muscles grew, and now I'm stronger. So. Yeah. And in the same way, that's that's how we we become. Like it's like, okay, you're you're doing fifty pounds and stuff, and and like when you first started doing it, you did it like three times, and now you're doing it twelve times. It's time to go up. Yeah. Like, no, but I'm straining now. No, yeah, it used to be you could only do three. Why well, go back? Go up, right? And that's the way it is in the spirit. And God is God. 
That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our coach. He is challenging us for our good and for our benefit and for his kingdom. Because the stronger that we are personally, the the greater weapon we are in the kingdom. And that's the... uh, God's purpose is his kingdom. Whenever he looks at the church, he looks at his kingdom and what he wants for his kingdom to accomplish on this earth. That's good. Um, Verse uh, 5. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of of Christ and God. Look at this again. Let no one deceive you. Remember we talked about that? It says, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly, you used to be, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, walk as children in light. And it's, it's, it's so, just the things that you're talking about, it's so amazing. I remember when I, when I came to the Lord, all these people that I had part, used to party with, that I hadn't talked to in years, all of a sudden they're calling me on the telephone. I'm like, how did you get my number? <laughs> right? That was before Facebook, too. Yeah. 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 And uh, so, yeah, Satan's got some traps for you. It says, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Remember what we talked about? If you're busy about the things of the Lord, you're learning about the things of God, you don't have time to be sinning and stuff. And again, you're drawing closer to the Lord, you're being strengthened in the things of God. Verse 11, Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. And again, that's why sinners are uncomfortable because you have that light in you. Mm-hmm. And it's shining on their, their deeds. Verse 14, For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not, and do not be, get drunk with wine, for that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking, <coughs> excuse me, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with, with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. <coughs> So again, it's, it's, we are to be about the Lord's business. We are to be doing the will of God. And if we do that, if we're doing that, we don't have time to, to be partying and getting drunk and, and stuff. And, you know, even when it things, comes to things like television, <coughs> um, I don't think television is a sin per se. But if you're watching it 12 hours a day, that can be a problem. Right? Or even the shows that you choose. Even the shows that you choose. Like, the whole big thing right now is Game of Thrones. Everybody's Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. I watched a couple episodes. I cannot watch that anymore because somebody's getting naked in that show every time. Right? You know, and and something that occurred to me, do you know all the love scenes in the movies that you watch and the movies and the television, all these love scenes, do you know that 90, probably 95% of them are with someone that's not their spouse. Mm-hmm. All right? 
all these scenes where you know the violin's playing and it's so beautiful and they're they're in love and stuff. At least, at least ninety five percent of them are with someone that's not their spouse. So you know, all I'm saying was it comes to our choices. Be careful what you choose. Again, it's not this rule and stuff. You can't watch R-rated movies or you can't watch this. You can't watch... It's not anything like that. It's just be wise. And pray about it. You yeah. Know, the Lord will you know? show you. And some people are also stronger and can handle certain things that other people can't. Sure. You know, like, mm-hmm. I can't handle anything, like, super violent, even though, you know, other people can. Um, it gets me in a real depressed... I get really depressed, and that's not from the Lord, you know, and so, especially for the reasons that I'm depressed, so I think everybody can handle certain things that other people can't, you know. And and again, it's just like we were talking about earlier and stuff, God will allow you to be tested to see what's in your heart, right? We all have different weaknesses, we all have things that we're dealing with, and you have to know yourself, and just like it said in Jeremiah 17, the heart's deceitfully wicked, who can know it? But God reveals it to us, and he shows us our own hearts, and he shows us the things that we need to deal with. Uh, Turn to Romans 6. Next point is reckon yourself dead to sin. Before you go there, I just wanted to read a scripture really quick. Uh, Romans 12.2 says, uh, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. It's mm. mm. good. So as we renew our mind on scripture and on fellowship and all that stuff, um, it changes the way we think. And, and that's really good too, that whole renewing your mind thing. Because again, just like we talked about, it all starts in your mind. Yeah. And again, I think that that's what the whole tree of the knowledge of good and evil is. Because with your mind, you start becoming curious about sin. You start become curious about well, I wonder what that's like, or I wonder what it'd be like to, you know, um, smoke whatever. crack or whatever it is, right? And stuff, and that from that it's from that thought, it it it's a seed and it germinates and it mm-hmm. gives forth sin, right? Unless you take the and thought so, captive. And that's why we have to renew our minds because we need to take the word which washes our minds. Mm-hmm. And begin to change our minds because, again, the world thinks, like you ask anybody in the world, well, what do you think about this? Well, I think, you know, what do you think about marijuana? I think marijuana should be legal. What do you think about prostitution? I think prostitution should be legal. It's legal in Denmark. What do you think about, you know, all these things? Well, the world has opinions on everything. And we, before we come to the Lord, and sometimes even after we come to the Lord, in in many areas of our lives, we still have our opinions that have been tainted by the world, that have been corrupted by the world. And it's when we, we have to take those thoughts captive and begin to wash those thoughts, begin to think according to what God says and and when you and that's what the whole renewing your mind is is reading the word of god and saying this is how god feels about that mm-hmm. and what you're doing is you're washing that old garbage out in the way that you used to think and now you're thinking the way that god thinks mm-hmm. and in romans 6 verse 1 <clears throat> it says what shall we say then are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase Verse 2 says, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Now, this is a really good thing because there are many people that says, you know, because I'm under grace, I can pretty much live how I want to live and God's going to forgive me. 
Paul says we are not to continue in sin that grace may abound, right? He says, how, may it never be. How shall we, or the King James says, God forbid. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ have been baptized into his death? And again, some of us don't understand what baptism is. The whole thing about baptism is not some religious thing that we do. It's a symbolic thing that we do, right? The, the waters of baptism are, are an example of death. When I go under those waters, I have died to myself. I have died to the old me, the old way that I used to think, the old way that I used to react. I used to have a nasty temper. And God said, you know what? You need to deal with that. And, and you know, so those old things, the way that I used to be, the excuses that I made for myself, the excuses that I made for living the way that I wanted to live, and it's all selfishness. All sin is selfishness. All sin is saying that I want to live the way that I want to live rather than the way that God wants me to live. It's self. And so when you go under the waters of baptism, you are saying, I am dying to myself and everything that goes with that. And when I rise up from those waters, it's no longer me that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. And I'm not living for my life anyway, anymore. I'm not living for my will, but I'm living for the will of the Father. It says, <clears throat> For we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, Look at this, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. And again, even as believers, a lot of times we make excuses. We're like, I can't help myself, right? Or I can't overcome this. I can't. And we have these excuses. The Bible says you are dead to sin. And that's what Satan does. He lies to us and says, you're not dead to that. That's what he said to you. You still feel yeah. that, right? That's <laughs> yeah. the thing still alive in you. That's what the devil does. That's right. And the, and the more we begin to realize, we, again, we have to renew our minds and say, I'm not, I'm not alive to that anymore. Amen. I'm dead to that. Amen. Jesus took that and he nailed it to the cross. Amen. Um, verse 8, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised up from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. Now, <clears throat> Another thing that this is talking about is it goes back to the Garden of Eden, right? Mm -hmm. What did God tell Adam and Eve? He says, in the day that you eat of that fruit, you will die, right? Did they die physically? No. no they right, because they continued to live, right? And so we, in the same way, when we are lost, when we're dead in our trespasses and sins, we are spiritually dead. And when Jesus comes into our heart, then we become alive in the same way that Adam and Eve were alive to God, right? And we now can walk in that same fellowship that Adam had with God. And we have been restored from our death into life. And so now we are no longer dead in our trespasses and our sins. We're alive to God. For the penalty, for, in verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, 
because we're dead, because we don't no longer alive to my old self, my old self has been put to death, my old self has been nailed to the cross, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its less. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you. Why? Because you are not under the law, but under grace. Again, grace is not just this, well, God doesn't see me now. He, he doesn't see my sins. He just sees the blood of Christ if I'm walking in sin. That's not what grace is. The Bible says, according to Titus 2, that grace gives us the ability to overcome sin. Grace is God's power. It is God's ability to not live that way anymore. Amen. And that's what God puts in the heart of every believer. <clears throat> and so, and it's a lie that makes us think that I'm still bound to that, that I'm still a slave to that, that I'm still under the power of that sin. It's a lie. And we as believers have to, have to renew our minds and say, that's a lie. Every time Satan tells us that, it's a lie. It's not true. It's an illusion. In, in the book Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan, there was this, there, John Bunyan is walking on a path to the celestial city. And uh, he comes to this one place where there are lions on each side of the path. Right, And so it makes him afraid, and he's, he's afraid to walk through the path. But as he gets closer, he notices that the lions are chained. Nice. <laughs> and so awesome. the lions can't get to him, and so he can nice. walk through that path. As long as he stays on the path, the lions can't get to him. Jesus. That's what Satan is, man. The Bible says he goes around as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And... The way that he does that is by getting you off the path. As long as you stay on that path, he cannot touch you. And that's what he does with his lies, saying, you're still the same person you used to be. Every time you lose your temper, he's like, you remember? oh, you haven't changed, right? Every time you have a lustful thought, you haven't changed. And at that point, we need to say, you're a liar. I have changed. And maybe, maybe I gave into that temptation for a second, but I'm taking that captive now. And I'm getting and I'm back not, not going to dwell on it. Righteous I'm, man falls seven times right. and gets back up. And I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to stay in that place of defeatedness. But I'm going to get back up. Amen. I'm going to get back on the horse. I'm going to keep fighting because it's a lie. You're a liar. You're the father of lies. And I'm not believing it. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> um, it says, uh, verse 15, What then shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? And again, if you're looking at this, you're seeing that God is placing the responsibility on me. Right? He's saying, you got the choice. I have set you free from sin. There is no sin that we can't overcome. And I'm not saying that it will be easy. And sometimes it will take fighting. Sometimes it may, you might have to have demons cast out of you. Sometimes it may have to have people laying hands on you. Sometimes it might be involved fasting, you know. But there is no sin that can keep us bound if we fight against it. And we continue to fight against it and continue to fight against it and will not quit will not give up. That is Satan's strategy, is to get you to quit, to get you to give up, right? 
And as long as we're fighting, as long as we're pressing forward, he can never, ever defeat us. It says in 17, But thanks be to God, that though you were slaves, you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching which you, with which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm a slave of Jesus now. I'm slave to him. I, I am his love slave. There's a place, there's a place in, um, I think it's Deuteronomy, or Leviticus, that was talking about in the Old Testament that if you were a slave, now in the Old Testament, they, they were required every seven years to let their slaves go free, right? And, and again, that's the mercy of God. He's like, okay, you can have slaves, but you need to treat them right in the first place. And in the second place, every seven years, you need to let those slaves go free. But it says that if the slave loves their master, that he can say, I don't want to be set free from you. It says that they were to take that slave, put his ear to the doorpost, and take an awl and nail his ear to the doorpost. That's a picture of the cross. Right? Not that he would leave you there. I mean, if you take it. <laughs> <laughs> I heard more it was like an earring type thing, like they would put... Yeah. That they would put like a, some sort of seal in the ear. Yeah. And that that was like a permanent. Mm. But the, but again, that's a that's a picture of the cross. It's a picture of death to self. It's like I will take that pain. I will let I will and I will give myself over to you, and I will let you nail me to that cross. And I will be your slave, right? And it's a willing thing. Again, it's not something that that they could force their slaves to do. It was something that a slave did voluntarily. <clears throat> um, it says in verse uh, 19 I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness res resulting in further lawlessness so now present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification for when you were slaves of sin you were free in regard to righteousness right says, therefore, what benefit were you deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. Right? So Paul talked about, he said that there's a crown of life laid up for me. You know, and, and the Bible says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. Each one of us, guys, has eternity to be with the Lord. And, you know, and, and when we stand before Him, we want Him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? And when we do that, and when we hear those words out of His mouth, it doesn't matter what we face on this earth, what temptations that we overcome. And that's the thing, the Bible never makes any bones about it. Sin is fun. <clears throat> Sin is pleasurable. It's not a, it is, for a moment. Yeah, for a moment. But even if you, that moment is a hundred years, even if that moment is a hundred and fifty years, we have an eternity, right? And it's all going to be worth it when we stand before him and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the thing is, is, instead of focusing on how good the sin will be, because that's what Satan wants us to do, right? And that's what we do before we come to Jesus. It says, focus on how good it will be to pass the test and to know that your heavenly Father is pleased with you. Mm -hmm. 
You know, my favorite moving forward <coughs> verses. If I, I don't know if you're going to read John fourteen twenty one. Go ahead. It, and I'm going to read it slow, and you guys, it's a really good one to just meditate on mm -hmm. a long time. But it says, "He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father." And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Hmm. So obedience is how that starts out. Keeping his commandments ultimately leads him disclosing more of himself hmm. to you. More of his secrets. The intimacy. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there's, there's kingdom <clears throat> secrets. Like Jesus was like, okay, you can't handle this now. There's so much I want to tell you, mm -hmm. but I can't. Yeah. You're just in that place where you yeah. won't even understand what I'm talking about yet mm -hmm. until you've been through a few things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, again, like the toddler, you can only explain so much that I can't tell you exactly <laughs> why you need to mm -hmm. obey me. You won't understand it. You just need to not stick your hand in the oven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which goes a little bit along the lines, too, of what I think you've said before in one of the Bible studies just about how sometimes... The Lord's not speaking to us because maybe we're not prepared to be obedient to what He speaks to us. So sometimes we're like, well, God, why aren't you speaking to me? And maybe it's because we didn't obey the last thing He told us. Or maybe it's because what He wants to tell us we're not prepared with the maturity to be obedient to. And it's kind of His mercy sometimes yeah. that He's not speaking to us. Yeah. But if we want that, and we want that intimacy, <clears throat> we want those secrets and that closeness and all that then then obedience seems to be pretty key in that yeah yeah, yeah. one thing that we, we really need to focus on is when we do endure the trials when we do overcome temptation know that the father is pleased with us yeah we're so quick to know when god is angry with us right we're right. so quick and, and mo a lot of us walk under that cloud you know a lot of us uh, just walk under a cloud that, you know, God's angry or God's, when he's not. Mm -hmm. You know, everything in the Christian life is by faith, right? We have to see through the eyes of faith. It's not our feelings. It's not our emotions. It's not how I feel today. It's by, I know that if I'm overcoming temptation, if I'm doing things to please him, if I'm, if I'm loving him, if I'm serving him, the Father is pleased with me. And we need to take moments out, take time out, and to realize God is pleased with me. Not in an arrogant way, not in, you know, a prideful or a boastful way, but it's our reward. Yeah. It is our reward. Smalls a mustard seed. <clears throat> faith in it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Mm -hmm. It's like he's not asking and then like when he does a lot of those things too and he does this little blessing or you know gives you that parking space you wanted or all these little things just think to yourself god is smiling on me right now and just yeah. try to picture that in your mind that god is smiling on you well both sin and obedience you don't you don't see the future and so if you knew like if someone told you okay you're gonna do this sin and it's gonna affect this kid this way, this kid this way, your wife this way, it's going to affect all these family members this way, it's going to bring destruction here, and 30 years from now, this person's life's going to be destroyed because of this. 
and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, this false teaching, this false teaching is going to affect that person. You'd be like, no, but you don't. And it's the same with obedience. We don't know ahead of time. It looks like we might be thrown into the lion's den or we might be thrown into the fiery furnace. Mm -hmm. We don't understand the beauty of obedience, Amen. all that God's going to teach us, all that Amen. we're going to learn, all that... The people it's going to affect. Right. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Down the road, like how That's many really generations mm -hmm. is that person going to repeat that good word to somebody else and mm -hmm. to somebody else? And, mm -hmm. you know, the ripple effects. Mm -hmm. They're That's both good. walking in faith and we That's choose good. which really one. Good. It's good. What was that verse again? John 14? 21. Were you going to say something, Kayla? Oh, also like some of the stuff that you touched up on tonight. Like we're going through a new series at church um, called Suffering, like mm. becoming more like Christ mm -hmm. and like what that looks like if mm. separating from the world. Mm. And good. one verse like um, they sh we read this morning was uh, Matthew 5, 6. Um, we're blessed... Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, mm. for they shall be satisfied. Mm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's like you're, awesome. like being in obedience, you're thirsting and you're seeking mm -hmm. the Lord. Mm. You're seeking His kingdom. Mm. Awesome. It's good. It's so satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> good. All right.